Blog Talk Radio. so you don't have to be. Desperate House Witches is not a GPG or even an R-rated show, so if bad language, bodily function, dirty talk of any kind might offend you, this may not be the show for you. But you tune in for all that. We all know it. Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the incredibly wicked one herself, the amazing Dorothy Morrison. Please check out her social media page. It is still the Halloween limited edition candle sale, which will be going on until the end of the month. So get it while you can. Get them while they're still available. That's www.wickedwitchstudios.com for all of your witching needs. He's back. Okay. It has been a while, but he has returned from summer break. Our friend, the amazing pagan pundit, the incredible Talisman Govannon. Hey, Talisman. Hey, 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 how's it going out there in Internet land? Uh, back after, oh, all kinds of stuff this summer, uh, all kinds of riding, all kinds of roller coasters, and more on the way. But it's uh, time to get back on the on the horse and talk some issues, so yay. All right, before we go into that, Talzin, tell folks about some of the writings and other things first. Well, coming out this uh it's going to be out in time for the holiday season, so if you, I am coming out with a short collection of short stories based in my urban fantasy universe. So basically, if you have a friend who enjoys reading about vampires, witches, uh, mythical and real, uh, say, uh, and all kinds of magical folks and situations, if you know somebody like that and want to find uh, a unique gift for them this holiday season, uh, I am going to be releasing The Ghosts of Solstice Eve and Other Stories, and it's a collection of three short stories, uh, about 100 pages total in the book. It'll be out in ebook, but it's also going to be coming out in a commemorative hardback edition. So uh, that's Ooh. going to be on sale uh, by mid-November, so you'll be able to order it and get it in in time uh, to give away for those uh, solstice or Yule or Christmas or Festivus or whatever you're giving the gifts for this season. So uh, vamp- right. holiday fiction with a bite, including real vampires. So, <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. What else are you working yeah. on, my friend? Well, I'm still working on book three of the Sorceress Saga, The Queen. Uh, that is going to come out early next year. Uh, and then uh, after that, I am going to be looking, I'm going to be doing some proposals to publishers very soon. I've got a couple of offshoot stories featuring characters from the Sorcerer's Saga, but kind of like more supporting characters who are getting their own adventures, their own individual series. And I'm going to be pitching them to some small and indie publishers because I'm embracing a hybrid publishing model where I can do both independent and 
traditional publishing type stuff. Uh, I also am planning on once I finish the move, and we're going to start moving here in the next few weeks, cross our fingers, cross our fingers, into our new home, I'm also going to be launching the Pagan Pundit Podcast, which is going to be a a once-a-week podcast uh, looking at the top issues of the week and putting things in plain language for people. I'm also going to have have, uh, recurring features such as Idiot of the Week uh, and uh, all kinds of other fun stuff for those of us who like their left-wing politics with a dose dose of snark. Uh, So that's going to be coming up probably uh, early next year as well. Excellent. Well, you still have to be a guest on my show, too, because, you know. (laughs) Every month. Every month. By the way, if there's anybody uh, out there who listens to us, who listens to me on this show, if you're in the New Jersey area, uh, me and my family are going to be at Six Flags Great Adventure uh, basically a week from tomorrow. A week from tomorrow, a week from Sunday, next weekend, we're going to be doing our last big coaster trip of the season. We're going to hit Dorney Park in Allentown, Pennsylvania on Friday. And then we'll be at Six Flags Great Adventure on Saturday and Sunday. So, uh, you know, if anybody wants to come and hang out, maybe go ride the tallest roller coaster in the world with me, a roller coaster mm-hmm. called King to Ka. Uh, I'm going to be binge riding that stuff as much as I can, so come on out and say hi. Oh, my God. I love you, but I can't. I'm just terrified. <laughs> I am old and a child and afraid of heights, but I don't know. If I'm with you, I might be all right. We'll have to see. 465 feet tall. Uh, it launches you at a speed of 126 miles an hour. You go from zero to 126 miles an hour in about four seconds. Uh, the entire ride lasts about 20 seconds. You literally blast up 465 feet, and you're back down in just seconds. Uh, it's My son tells me it's a trip and a half. I've never been on a coaster like it before. They've had one at Cedar Point called Top Thrill Dragster, but that's been closed all year the year that I would have written it. Huh. So, and now they're redoing yeah. the whole thing. Uh, so uh, I'm going out to New Jersey to go ride an Intamin launch coaster, uh, as well as a whole oh, bunch of God. other fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, we are just about at election season. Um, so right. let's get into it. What's going on out well, there? Well, first of all, uh, some recent good news. A couple, I'm going to start things off with a couple of pieces of good news. Uh, number one, okay. Papa Joe has uh, done it again. Uh, the Revenge of Dark Brandon, I love this. He has just pardoned thousands of people yeah. who were convicted of simple marijuana possession under federal law and said that we need to rethink our laws regarding marijuana. Now, let me tell you something. Right on. Joe Biden is not a baby boomer. He is greatest generation. He was born 1942. And so for somebody from that generation, the generation that gave us the war on drugs, for somebody in that generation to even do something as simple as this, yes, I know it's just the start. Yes, I know we need to do a lot more. But for somebody from that far pack of a generation to be able to get a clue, I think says very, very good things uh, about where we're going in some ways as a country. Um, now, some of the ways that 
aren't always good as how we're going as a country is another piece of good news, though. And that is the fact that Jeremy Bertino from North Carolina, a former leader of the Proud Boys, uh, pled guilty a couple days ago to seditious conspiracy in a federal court. Uh, And he did not seek to try to plead down to a lesser charge. He knew the DOJ was not going to reduce it. Uh, He pled guilty full-on to seditious conspiracy, which basically him testifying that him and his cohorts did conspire to commit sedition, which is basically what they've charged him with. Uh, He's going to be testifying on behalf of the government to admit, yeah, we did this, which means that all the other Proud Boys that are up uh, for trial uh, starting early next year are pretty much already sunk. Watch for these guys to try to cut deals. And this is the important thing, uh, because right now the Oath Keepers are going on trial. And, again, once you start seeing these guys start falling like flies, you're going to get other ones. Now, some of these guys are true believers. They're going to go down. They're going to do their time. It doesn't matter how long they are sentenced for. They will do it, hoping that they, their uh, buddy Trump can get back into office and pardon them, which you know would be the first yeah. thing he would do. Um, but there are, there, you know, there's too many of these guys for there to be that many true believers. There are going to be guys who want to weasel out. There are going to be guys who want to try to cut a better deal for themselves, and they're going to give up farther up. They're going to implicate someone like Roger Stone. And once you've implicated Roger Stone, you've implicated the entire Trump organization. You know, this, the, you know, people have been bugging that, you know, things have been moving slowly with this stuff. But Merrick Garland yeah. knows that, to, to get to the root of this kind of a conspiracy, of this level of treason, you have to treat it like it's an organized crime family. And what do you do with that? It's called peeling the onion. You peel the easy yeah. stuff off first, and you wait for them to lead you to the next layer until eventually you get to the core. Uh, and that, of course, is Mr. Donald. Uh, so the fact that You've got a former leader of the Proud Boys who's basically rolling, who's going to take everybody else down with him. The Oath Keepers, there's really no way that they're going to escape conviction. They are on tape talking about the only mistake they made is that they weren't violent enough. I mean, just the presence of all those guns and ammunition stationed at hotel rooms, motel rooms around D.C., staging, ready to move in if uh, Trump had actually called for the militia, uh, that right there shows conspiracy because it shows organization between two or more people. Uh, So there's no way they're going to escape this trial without full conviction. And it's peeling the onion. Uh, And and so those are two bits, you know, uh, relaxing on weed and going after the heart of uh, the neo-fascists, that is part of the good news of the week. Uh, but there's, there's all kinds of great news. You and I were messaging uh, weeks ago uh, when I found out that the Republican Party has pulled money from a bunch of Senate races across the country, essentially ceding control of the Senate to the Democrats for the next uh, two years. Um, you know, that's a piece of news that a lot of people have not heard of because it didn't get covered 
on a lot of the news the way it does on things like Morning Joe. Uh, but Joe Scarborough, right. former Republican that he is, loves inside baseball. So he's always going to be talking yeah. about this shit. I mean, literally, Pennsylvania, uh, Arizona, they've given up. They've just decided our candidates are too damaged. Um, Herschel Walker is going down in flames right now. Yeah, the polls still keep showing that he's close, but his yeah. support uh, his support amongst the misogynistic black male bloc, which is the, you know, if you ever see a dude behind Trump at a rally, a black guy with a sign that says Blacks for Trump, that's part of the misogynistic men's um, movement uh, amongst uh, disaffected black guys. And uh, if these guys don't turn out for Herschel Walker, he's toast. And if they just decide he's too damaged from the fact that, you know, Mr. Anti-Abortion paid for plenty of his own, including verifiable ones, uh, that race is toast. And uh, Reverend Warnock is going to pull off what people think is impossible, which is a black Democrat winning in Georgia a second time. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of good news floating around. Now, there's a lot of shit, too. We've got to stay vigilant. But, you know, people got to yeah. know that there are things that have been rolling our way lately. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> to say nothing Amazing. of the secret documents no. Okay, so, I mean, let me ask you a question. So with all of this yeah. good news, is there, is there actually now maybe a chance that we will ever see Trump do the park walk? <laughs> there are two instances. Well, there's three instances that I can see him doing the perp walk. Uh, And with that, there's good and bad news. Uh, The bad news is I don't think we're going to see him do the perp walk for what we want him to do the perp walk for, which is treason, trying to overthrow the the Constitution. I really think that – I really think that something else is going to take him down first. And once something else takes him down, you know, the thing is, even though we have these core principles of no one being above the law and everybody's covered by the same laws, the very inertia of government is against radical change. And the idea of actually prosecuting someone for a act tinged with politics, even if you don't say it's a it's not a political act, it's a criminal act. Um, there's a certain inertia against that. Now, Trump's making sure that, they, that this inertia against charging a former official with uh, things connected to a politically tinged act, he's really making sure that there's no way around it. They're going to have to charge him with fucking something, and I'll get to that in a minute. But I really think okay. that if he gets taken down by anything else to the point where he is precluded from running for president again, uh, and especially mm-hmm. since a couple of these things are probably going to lead to some kind of sentence, even if it's house arrest, I think that's going to basically kill the momentum to the full treason trial. Uh, so it's going to be one of those things where, yeah, we know the guy should probably hang for uh, treason, which is one of the only uh, crimes mentioned in the Constitution. Uh, and definitely what he would do to somebody who tried to pull the same shit against something he liked. 
the fact of the matter is, is that we need to be happy to get him on something and to take him out of the game. Uh, and there's sure. three different things that are going to take him down a lot faster. Uh, just because the level of trial that it would take to prove treason against the guy, this is something that would probably happen at the end of President Harris's second term. It would take years to put it together and actually make it happen. Um, so these other things, though, are going to move a lot faster, and they're going to take him down first. Uh, I've, before 2024, definitely for a couple of them. So... <coughs> Uh, the things that he's most likely going to see the perp walk for uh, is uh, two federal and one state. Uh, the uh, <clears throat> the prosecutors down in Georgia are really gunning for Trump's ass. And the mechanics of the way that the uh, offices that are uh, – that have convened the grand jury, the Georgia grand jury that's investigating this is controlled by people who aren't going to be able to squash the, uh, the grand jury investigation down in Georgia for election interference. Basically the way things are kind of set up down there is that, you know, you've got these pockets of democratic power that are incredibly isolated, but within their bubbles, they actually have got a lot of durability. And so going at the fact that they are going to basically wind up starting to charge people very soon. This grand jury in Georgia that's collecting all the information on Giuliani's antics and Trump's direct Mm -hmm. threatening phone calls to Georgia officials, uh, they're not fucking around. They are moving forward at a very brisk pace. And, you know, but grand juries don't hang out just to find shit out they're going to start indicting and they're probably going to start indicting after the first of the year. And once you see the first round of indictments, you're going to see how high they're shooting. If you see a big name in that first round of indictments, which would not be the biggest indictments, by the way, these are the warm-up indictments that start coming out of these grand juries. If you, if you see the first round of indictments include people like Mark Meadows and Rudy Giuliani, then Donald Trump is going to want to start packing bags to find a country to flee to because he will be in round two. If Giuliani's round one, Trump will be round two. (laughs) It's just that simple. Um, So that is something that could come back very quickly. Uh, The tax case. See, this whole thing that Letitia James is doing in New York of suing the Trump organization, people are saying, why is she suing them? Why aren't they just, why isn't somebody in New York just filing criminal charges? Well, in her office, she has the power to sue corporations who break the law. Uh, That's her power to do. She has uncovered plenty of instances of state and federal fraud, especially concerning taxes. And she has turned all of that information over to the, uh, the federal prosecutors in the Southern District of New York, which ironically is one of is the office that Rudy Giuliani used to be the head of back when he actually still had two brain cells to rub together back uh, in the 70s. But uh, he was, he was yeah. at CNY. And, <clears throat> and now SCNY has all of this juicy information. And that's a, you know, it's, it's a very unsexy thing, but let me remind people, that, you know, 
Al Capone, the first real media gangster, uh, wound up spending the rest of his life in prison, not because of the murder he ordered or because of the lives he ruined through running narcotics and bootleg booze and all, and all that stuff and the human trafficking. He went down for taxes because the thing mm-hmm. about mob boss, because you know, we know mob bosses insulate themselves. They don't kill anybody. They don't tell anyone to kill anybody. They tell a trusted associate who knows what, knows what they mean, something needs to be done about that guy. And then his associate tells a guy who tells a guy who hires the hitman who kills the guy. All those layers. And at some point, one of them's going to stick, and they're not going to be able to trace it back to you know a legal standard any farther back. But Taxes are different. Taxes you have to sign your name to. And even if somebody else prepares those taxes for you, uh, it doesn't matter because when you sign on that form saying, to the best of my knowledge, this is all true and accurate, um, you're attesting that you've inspected it and you're making sure it's accurate. And if you haven't inspected it, that's on you. You were supposed to. Correct. Uh, and so right. having to sign that tax return is the one thing that they couldn't shield Al Capone from. Well, under reporting the value of your properties for taxes, uh, not only is a tax thing for property taxes, but it also winds up being an important factor in corporate taxes. And that is something that is both state and federal. So uh, he could easily face uh, state of New York tax charges, but probably federal tax charges over this property fraud. So that is uh, that is another thing that he's more likely to get uh, knocked on. And the third thing, though, and this is really the biggest unforced error. Uh, this is the the most vulnerable that Trump is legally right now on a lot of fronts, and it's completely his own doing. And that's the classified document scandal. Uh, and it's not oh, just classified yeah. documents, but it's all of those presidential documents. Um, because the, the, the crux of it is, is that years ago, Congress passed a law that basically said that all the documents produced by an administration belong to the people of the United States. They are part of our history. They're part of our heritage. And they're also part of the workings of the White House and future presidents need to be able to access the documents and stuff from past presidents. So it's, you know, it doesn't belong to the president. It belongs to the government, to the people via the, you know, the, the people via the government. Um, Right. And so the idea of taking a a butt ton of white house documents with you when you leave office, is just stupid because you're literally stealing. It's, it's a very easy crime to prove. And the thing is, is that, you know, if a president wants, well, you know, let's say a president signs a proclamation saying it's National Cocker Spaniel Day because they really like Cocker Spaniels. And then when that president's out of office and they do it in the presidential library, they want to have a, they want to be able to display their proclamation of Cocker Spaniel Day in your presidential library. Well, the original document you signed, you're not going to get that. Uh, that belongs to right. people. But, but the presidential archives will make you a copy. They'll make it such a good copy you would never be able to discern it from the original, and you can display that in your library. Um, and, uh, you know, 
so that's just you know that that's just the basic uh, the basic crux of it. Um, so okay, so you take those documents back. Um, the thing is, is that they they he also has these troublesome classified documents. And let me tell you the <clears throat> the amount of stress that the intelligence community went through. Um, over the way Trump treated classified documents when he was president is legendary. Uh, he was very bad at handling classified information. Uh, he's, right. oh my God, they, they would just, there would literally be times where they would say, listen, if the president doesn't ask for information, don't give it to him. Because he's probably wow. going to let it slip to somebody who should, yeah, literally they would have to do that with some things because he would mention things casually around people who weren't cleared to know it. Uh, one thing he liked to right. do is like to have a classified document in his pocket in the White House so that that way he could pull it out and splash it to people to impress them. Look what I've got. It's a classified document. I can have it because I'm the president. And it's like, oh, my God, just we knew he was infantile. Uh, but the thing is, him being in possession of these classified documents is a big problem for him because of the fact that, Classified documents are the most taken seriously thing. Uh, they're taken more seriously than just about anything else in government uh, because people have no idea just how vital certain classified, keeping certain things classified is to the operations and security of the, of the country and the government. Uh, this, I mean, right. And it's not just, you know, it's not just, oh, government keeping secrets just because they can. There's literally stuff where lives are on the line. And they take this stuff deadly seriously. Um, and most classification systems are only exist because of executive orders. These are executive orders many, many, many years old. <laughs> you know, these, these are executive orders written by people who uh, passed away long ago. But still, that set up most of your classifications systems such as, you know, confidential and classified and secret and top secret and that kind of thing. Uh, over the years, Congress sure. has enacted laws to protect these secrets, but the classification systems were created by executive order, and they can be modified by executive order, but executive orders that have to be actually uh, real and not imagined. That's an important point. Um, there's certain <laughs> classified uh, documents, though, that are not under these areas, and those are ones having to do with nuclear secrets, uh, because those that classification was created not by a executive action, but by an act of Congress, a bill that Congress passed and a president signed that basically said that nuclear secrets uh, are not part of this other classification system. They have a special protection because of how destructive uh, nuclear secrets in the wrong hands can be. Uh, now, the thing is, is that there, but there are procedures. There are steps in place. And, yeah, presidents can change procedures. They can change steps, but they actually have to make the change. They can't just ignore the old change. They actually have to officially make a rule change that is then passed down the line so everybody knows what that rule change is. So, basically, this stuff that was classified was fucking classified. Uh, and I'll explain, the, and 
is classified, even if he tried to say that he magically declassified it in his mind. There's still stuff on these documents that are classified. Um, and that, that's something too important. That's, a, that's an important thing to remember. Uh, because let's say there was a classified document there. They said there was one thing about uh, new, you know, another country's nuclear capability. Well, right there, that classified document is an issue because Trump couldn't have declassified that himself because it had to do with nuclear technology. And because of that, that falls under the nuclear classifications from the Nuclear Energy Act that Congress passed and that was signed into law. Uh, so he couldn't declassify that one in his mind. That, that document is a real problem for him. Uh, to declassify a document like that, you actually have to go through a process that involves agencies outside of the White House. Uh, so there would be a track wow. record if you actually declassified that kind of a document. But also, not just the fact that the information is classified, but, of course, documents all need to have organizational markings on them. You need to be able to tell what's an official document, what's not, and there are identifying markings on every government document that will say what, you know, what agency prepared this document, uh, under what procedures was this document prepared, that kind of thing. There are class. There are uh, designation markings, basically organizational markings that tell you all kinds of stuff about this document. And every bit of information on there, every classification marking, every, um, like, you know, when you, when you get a document from, you know, uh, the Army that deals with some military secret and you send it back to the Army when you're done with it, they need to know where to file it. The filing marking. All of these things are classified, too. The, the system they use to file this shit is classified. And it's important that these classification markings and these organizational markings stay classified for one reason. Because classified documents leak. They leak every year. The important thing, though, is that when a hostile power or even maybe a not-so-hostile power who still wants to find advantage or something like that, when they get a hold of these classified documents, they don't know if they're real or not. Because there's also a lot of fake classified documents floating around on the international black market. And so basically, and the U.S. government's policy is to neither confirm nor deny. In other words, we ain't saying anything on that document. We're not going to say it's real or fake. Uh, because if you say it's fake, then you can say that everything on there you know, it's kind of a red flag. Eventually, if you keep eliminating things that are fake, but you won't say when something's real, we can figure out when it's real. So they just won't say one way or the other. Well, the thing is, is that these classified documents, if they're mishandled, if somebody's like, yeah, I got this classified document from Mar-a-Lago because, you know, I was there on a corporate retreat, someone could sell that to a hostile foreign power, and then they would be able to tell when documents from this particular agency are real or not, because they'd have a copy of the real classification markings. So even if Trump declassified information on a classified document, that's still why whenever you see that document later, there's still bits blacked out, because those are things that are, you know, kind of basically clerical, but they're still classified, and they need to stay classified. So there is no way that, this ends well 
for Trump because of the fact that it was so hard for them to get this stuff back. I mean, it was they they asked and asked and asked, and Trump's people sent some stuff back, but not other things. And let me tell you, it doesn't matter with the dance that the government's doing because of Trump's judge trying to gum things up with the whole special master bullshit you're hearing about with this uh, FBI. Yeah. It, that, those documents don't really matter because when the Trump people voluntarily sent back 15 boxes of documents in January of this year, there were 138 classified documents mixed in with those. So in other words, they already gave them back stuff, and they've already logged the fact that Trump had improperly stored classified documents at his summer home, at his business, at his hotel, at his country club. Um, now, the, the although I will say this, too, the, the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals is hearing a fast uh, appeal. Uh, they're going to completely dismantle Trump's judge's uh, uh, ruling. This whole thing is going to be over very quickly. The government's going to have rights to all these documents. Trump's not going to have rights to any. And those are where the smoking gun classified documents are. Because of the fact that, you know, Trump could try to say plausibly, even if we don't believe it, uh, you could have enough to sway a jury, the idea of, I didn't know that these classified documents left the White House. I had them in the Oval Office. The Oval Office is a skiff. It is a secure facility where you could look at highly classified information legally. Uh, And he could have said that it was a mistake in trying to uh, rush to pass except for the fact that there were four documents that were found in his desk. Four classified documents were found in the top drawer of his personal desk. And there's no way that he didn't know that those were there. So he was hoarding classified documents. And let me tell you, I saw an interview with a former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. This is number two in the chain of command for the armed forces right behind the president. And this guy said that if he had taken one of these top-secret SCI documents home with him, one time he would have been let out of his house in handcuffs, and he's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. The government always prosecutes mishandling of classified documents. They always prosecute it because they have to. They can't allow a future prosecution to be jeopardized by someone putting doubt into a jury's mind saying, well, This other guy mishandled classified documents and you didn't prosecute him. And what my guy did was not even as bad as him. So why are you prosecuting my guy? It comes up a jury. It makes things difficult. They always prosecute. (laughs) And real quick, before I turn uh, turn it back out uh, for you to ask any questions, the thing is there's a story that I don't know how – True it is, but it's an apocryphal story that goes around people who are training to go into intelligence to show how important it is to make sure that you never give it to the temptation to mishandle classified documents. About a guy uh, who worked in military intelligence in the 1980s, he had a child who had been kidnapped by a person connected to a KGB officer the KGB guy said, you got to get me this classified document or else I'm going to kill your kid. Uh, and you can't go to the police or FBI or I'm going to kill your kid. And this guy got the document. He didn't give it to the Russian, but he took it home. 
and the government uh, took pity on him by only asking for the minimum sentence. They still prosecuted the guy because they felt like they had to. He had one document. Trump, right now, the current count is 238. And yesterday, the, D- the National Archives sent a message to the DOJ saying, we don't think we have all the missing documents yet. In other words, Trump may have spread them around to other properties. And that becomes conspiracy, uh, and that becomes a much bigger thing, which means Trump's involving more people, which means they can prosecute plenty of underlings to get them to flip on the boss. And you're going to see charges from this. And, you know, it's just uh, so, again, you know, he's trying to delay things out. The 11th Circuit that, I mean, the 11th Circuit uh, panel that's hearing his appeal has already heard one appeal against this other judge's ruling, uh, the pro-Trump ruling. Uh, And they slapped it down in record time, and two out of the three judges were appointed by Trump. So not all the judges that Trump appointed are as incompetent as Judge Cannon, who gave him his special master and all this shit, trying to help him slow things down. Um, So, But the thing is, the 11th Circuit is like, no, we're going to take this. We're going to take it really fast. Uh, So this case is going to move forward. And the fact that they're still having to go and find more places to find these missing documents, it's just, it's an unforced error, man. This is just the one thing that they can't let him off the hook on. And he just keeps making it worse for himself. So happy Hanukkah, everybody. (laughs) Seriously, but it seems like and an error like that, you know, what you refer to as an unforced error, it all seems to be completely, completely ego-based. And that's really, because he's not doing any, it's not that I even think he's selling these documents. I think it is just the idea of I was the president and I can control whatever I want and I can do whatever I want. And it's that whole narrative that he gave himself about all of his, superhuman abilities having been a president at one time. Is that true? Yeah. Well, also, you know, he still considers himself to be president. In his mind, he justifies it to himself that once he's done with his government in exile, he'll bring all these classified documents back. Um, But the thing is, is that I wouldn't be so sure, I wouldn't be so quick to assume that he's not going to go off and sell these things because there were somewhere between 43 and 49 folders marked classified, uh, various classifications marking, uh, that these are basically the outer folders used to house classified documents to make sure that the courier or anybody who accidentally looks inside a satchel doesn't see anything that they're not allowed to see. There were somewhere between 43 and 49 of these empty amongst the things they took out of Mar-a-Lago. Now, again, it's an unforced error, because if he had wanted to have, he could have gotten one of these folders. If he had just said to the archives, listen, got any of those old folders that say classified on them? I want to make a display for my presidential library. They would take one. They'd leave a record in their archives saying, yeah, we gave one to him, and he'd be able to do it. So I really don't think they were empty when he got them. 
We don't know where these documents are at. He could have just mishandled them. They could be in between the cushions in Trump Tower somewhere. You don't know. But also, don't the disturbing thing, though, is that there has been a rash of Russian businessmen who are having falling out of window disease. Uh, And some of these guys were ones that were rumored to be friendly to the West, and a couple of people have thought a couple of them were possible intelligence assets that the uh, U.S. had inside of Russia, some of them very close to Putin. So there's, there's a house cleaning going on around Putin, and I wouldn't be surprised if some of them could be lists from some of these classified documents. Because the thing about Trump, to remember, he acts like he has a lot of money. But he doesn't really. Almost all of his legal fees have been paid for by the Republican Party, but they've already said that they are not going to pay for his lawyers with this classified documents case. And once they've cut him off of that, uh, the fact of the matter is is that this guy hemorrhages money. He cannot sustain his lifestyle. His kids cannot sustain their lifestyle by legitimate businesses. He is always looking for a grip. He's always looking for a way of sliding in. And he's also always looking for a way to ingratiate himself with potential allies. And I would not be surprised if he's already sold out a certain amount of things out to Putin just to try to buy himself a place to take Air Force One uh, in case the indictments start flying. So, again, you know, I wouldn't put anything past this guy because the only important thing to him, like you said, is him. It's his ego. But... uh, there's just been way too many. It, it's not. It's not even the the loudest or most obnoxious Putin critics in Russia who are having falling out of window itis. Uh, it's these business guys who are up until now not known to a lot of people outside of government business circle. So, you know, stick a thumbtack in this one. We're probably going to have to come back to it at a later date. No doubt. So what's been going on with Rudy Giuliani? I have been woefully out of the loop. Rudy Giuliani, oh, man, this guy is just a train wreck. Um, Trump's cut him loose. Uh, Trump's not giving him any more money. Um, He's not really able. I mean, he's making some money. He talks to OAN a lot, and they give him money for his appearances. But He's facing a lot of very expensive legal fights in the next five years. If he doesn't want to die in prison, he's going to have to spend a lot of money on lawyers. Uh, He's going to be indicted in Georgia. Uh, He is probably going to be federally indicted. Uh, You know, I keep thinking that when they keep peeling back this onion, uh, they're going to find a connection between Giuliani and Stone. Roger Stone, and Roger Stone is the guy to watch. Roger Stone was the one who was blabbing about Trump's entire plan to hold on to power uh, weeks before the election even happened to a documentary film crew. Stone was the go-between between the Trump administration and the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers. He was the guy. Uh, And, you know, him and Giuliani have been thick as as thieves at times. So not only is Giuliani going to be facing a very expensive trial in Georgia, but he's also going to be facing the possibility of having to do uh, defend himself in federal court as well. He's already his, he's already had his law license suspended uh, in New yeah. York. Uh, he 
he's a wreck, and it's all his own doing. Well, he danced with the devil, you know, to coin a phrase. Exactly. I mean, exactly. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing to go from so much power to, like, being a pariah. I mean, is the Trump grip, has that loosened at all, do you think? Well, that, you know, okay, to give you an idea, it's like that weird rally Trump had in Ohio a few weeks ago that went yeah. on QAnon. You, you saw that. Everybody out there saw the coverage. What most people didn't see were the pictures that the folks who worked, worked there took from behind Trump. Literally, that's a place called the Cavelli Center. Now, that's not far from where I'm moving. I'm moving to Trumbull County, and that's right over in Youngstown. And that thing is right. not a huge place. It's not like a full – I mean, it's, it's, it, it's a place where a minor league basketball team would play. It's about half the size of your average basketball arena. And it was maybe a quarter full. All wow. of the news cameras were all framed to get Trump, and it made it look like a full hall. Uh, but and yeah. this is it's you know dude it's very close to areas of West Virginia, rural Ohio. There's a lot of Trump fans in that area, or at least there were. They're not even coming out for his rallies anymore. That's why it seems like QAnon has taken over the Trump movement. No, they're just the only ones who are left. The fact of the matter is, is that most of his candidates are going down. Republicans are losing races that they should be able to win without breaking a sweat, especially in a year where we've had as many problems as we have, and we've got a freshly incumbent president of a party that was not previously in power in the White House, usually gaining seats uh, or not losing seats against the opposite party is a cakewalk when the opposite party is the one who won the White House. But like I said, I mean, Pennsylvania, people don't understand. People think Pennsylvania is a blue state. It's very purple because you've got Philadelphia right. and you've got Pittsburgh, and those are big Democratic areas. But in between, it's not West Virginia. It's fucking uh, the backwaters of Mississippi. It is redneck right. in, in between those yeah. areas. And, and, yet, Absolutely. and yet, you know, that very soon, both of the senators from Pennsylvania are going to be Democrats. Ohio, I mean, you're looking at the fact that J.D. Vance is trying to run away on his record of abortion, um, and it's not working because Tim Ryan, the Democrat who's running, he's a good old-fashioned blue-collar Democrat, but he's also a brawler. And so, believe me, I've been seeing plenty of targeted ads saying, J.D. Vance wants you to forget about the time he said that abortion should be illegal even in cases of rape or incest. Um, but we, can, you know, and it's all been scrubbed from their website, but thankfully we took pictures, and then they show you the screenshots and the videos and the speeches. Uh, let me tell you, Kansas, with their referendum protecting abortion rights, has, has Republicans nationwide breaking out into assholes and shitting themselves to death because it's the classic, the car, the dog who caught the car. What the fuck do you do now? They got Roe v. Wade overturned and a lot of Republican women are pissed and they are turning out. 
And, you know, people are saying, you know, November is coming. And that is a big, that is a big reality. And, you know, the, the fact of the matter is that Trumpism has completely taken over the Trump Republican Party. That's what, is what I call them now. But that means, yeah. though, that the thing is, that means that in order to become a candidate in the Trump Republican Party, you have to be a lunatic. You have to be verifiably uh, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I mean, we're not, we're not talking about any disparaging mental illness. We just need, you, mean you need to be so uniquely stupid or craven yeah. that you are going to be right. a complete and utter fucking moron. And you can't run away from that. You cannot run away from that in the YouTube age. You cannot go and deny you said that when we have the video. And when we have the video right. that has your own campaign watermark on it because you put it out in order to win the primary. Um, but, you know, it's like win the battle, lose the war. Um, very, I mean, Ohio voted for Trump twice in the presidential election. Yeah. We've got a Republican governor. We've got a Republican-dominated state legislature. And we're about to have two Democratic senators because Ohio also has this weird habit of seeing how batshit crazy they can get before even Ohio Republicans go, oh, fuck, no, I just can't. Uh, and they've done that before with governor, <laughs> and now they're doing that with the Senate. Um, and here's, here's the biggest piece of bright light and joy I can bring into all of our bleeding liberal hearts. And that is the okay. fact that but when the new Congress is seated in 2023, um, I would be very comfortably laying money down that the Democrats are going to have a 53-47 governing majority. And if not 53-47, at least a 52-48. And what that's going to mean is that Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema just became fucking irrelevant. Uh, Yay! Dusted, dusted a fucking history because you can believe that Tim Ryan and John Fetterman are going to team up with yeah. the rest of the Democrats to get rid of the filibuster, which means that they are going to be able to pass things with a simple majority. Now it's looking like I, you know. The Cook political report is about to change the House forecast to leans Democrat. Uh, that's uh, uh-huh. probably going to be coming up in the next week because of, again, how many races the Republicans are completely tanking because of the anti-abortion zealots that they nominated. And that mm-hmm. means that we're actually going to be able to pass things to get things done. We're not only not going to have to, we're not going to have to worry about watering shit down uh, just to reach a 60-vote filibuster buster, uh, majority, right. super majority. Uh, we're going to be able to right. pass things with a simple majority. And Kamala Harris isn't going to have to go and break ties so often. So, again, guys, you got to turn out and vote. If you're in a state where, yeah. where you've got a Democrat running for Senate, you got to go out and vote for them. We can get rid of the filibuster. We can bring back representative democracy. We can pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act by simple majority. We can codify Roe v. Wade into law through simple majority. And Joe Biden will sign every one of these bills. We can decriminalize marijuana by simple majority. All we have to do is hold tight. We've got the wind in our backs. 
We just got to keep going. We got to keep up the energy. We got to make it to the finish line because the you next few it. years could be a lot more fun for us, folks. We just got to bring it home. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And I'm so glad we have one more show before the actual election because our next visit yes. is just is just before Super Tuesday. I'm sorry. Every election year. Uh, or any time you can vote is a Super Tuesday. <laughs> Write it down. It is the 8th of November. Make sure you know yeah. where your polling places are. Make sure you are registered. Make sure if you can vote early that you do it um, because standing in line is going to be hellacious. Uh, the Republicans are yeah. out there trying to do everything they can to disenfranchise as many people as possible. They don't want souls to the polls. They don't want early voting. They are going to try right. to support the actual real folks, the real people who vote in elections as opposed to their their craven minions who want to see women <laughs> uh, back in the kitchen and barefoot and pregnant and, and with our right. mouths closed. And if you think I'm joking, uh, let me remind you, Roe v. Wade is an the overturning of Roe v. Wade is a direct attack on women. Period. End of story. And it is just the beginning of what they will do if they are allowed to gain control. I'm sorry, I'm wild, but I get pissed. But seriously, yes. Taliesin and I are going to be it. back next month to remind you all about this because of how damn important it is. Uh, every you know you hear us say this for everything every election this one's so important they are all important it's not that any every election becomes more important with time it is not just a catchphrase I'm sorry Talzin go ahead oh yeah no no that's totally that's totally true and coming up next show just to make sure people are going to want to you know, as David, as David Letterman used to say, you're going to want to fire up the Betamax, folks. This one's going to be a keeper. I'm going to give you my predictions for all of the Senate races next time, as well as the forecast yes. for the House and Senate. So, yeah. 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 Talzin, we have a couple of minutes left. Go ahead and, and give folks the, the update on your writing again and where they can reach you yes. and all of the good information. Well, you can always go to talismanc.com. I'm going to be revamping the site in the next few days once I start doing the pre-sale for the holiday book. Uh, go ahead and keep an eye on my Twitter, talison underscore G. I will be announcing there when the holiday book is going to be out. Uh, and by the way, also, it's going to include uh, a brand new uh, a character who's brand new in The Queen uh, is going to be one of these Ooh. short stories who is going to be a cursed witch who blends uh, actual historical paganism with fantasy magic. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's, again, it's going to be called The Ghost of Solstice Eve a, uh, a, and other stories, holiday, urban fantasy, what's not to like. Uh, and also, if you go to talismang.com, you can read a couple of short stories on there featuring Sarah and Stevie, two of the characters who are going to be in the short story collection, uh, as well as some extra stuff from the sorcerers. And of course, the Sorceress, by the way, I had a giveaway of the Sorceress, a trial giveaway for a couple of days of the book one in the Sorceress saga for free, and uh, it got all the way to number nine 
uh, on the contemporary fantasy charts on uh, Amazon for a few <laughs> hours. So, yay. Uh, coming up, uh, also next, Yes, and so next month, I'm going to be letting you guys know about a big giveaway we're going to be doing. Uh, to not only the first book of the Sorcerer's Saga, but a big discount on the second one, Getting Ready for Book Three, uh, which is going to be coming out early next year, The Queen. Uh, and, uh, you know, just you know, keep your eyes peeled and go ahead and check out The Sorcerer's and The Witch out right now. They're available on Kindle Unlimited, although you can get The Sorcerer's for just 99 cents on ebook. So come on, guys. Less than it costs to buy a Coke at McDonald's. Uh, and and uh, again, uh, there's real magic, real paganism woven in with this stuff. So go check it out. TalismanG.com will tell you all you need to know. Talison, I'm so glad you're back. I have missed you horribly. Again, always <laughs> talking me down, talking me down from those political ledges. I, I count on you. Always, always. I, I love you, brother. I thank you so much for for doing this with me yet again. And I'm very excited about next month's predictions. So All thanks right. again, and, and we will talk soon. Thank you for having me and all everybody out there in Internet land. Uh, I will see you here uh, next month, same bad time, same bad station. Talison out. All right. Okay, guys, that's it for the week. I am going to be off this weekend. Hooray. Um, you'll notice that a lot of the shows are starting to uh, be done earlier in the day. It's because folks have other things they would like to do in the evening, including myself. Um, and now that folks are more out and about, um, folks are actually going places to conventions and seeing each other and, and doing a lot of things that we weren't able to do during the start of the pandemic. I don't want to give you the idea that the pandemic is over because I don't believe that it is. Um, so be safe. Uh, but yeah, I, I, my day job has got me running, so I do need to start taking some more personal time to relax. But you will have shows pretty much every week as always. You just will have one or two as opposed to two or three as I was doing during the height of the pandemic. So hope that Jive's okay with everybody. Um, Love y'all, and I'll see you next week. Take care.